Hey, thanks for joining us for the Celebration Church podcast. I have a quick announcement before the message starts. Starting February 16th, we're beginning our new service times at 9 a.m. and 1045. I encourage you, if you're in the area and you're looking for a church family, come join us Sunday mornings and we'll have the doors open, coffee ready, and we'll save you a seat. We'd love to have you and get to know you more personally. Well, now on to today's message. up here, but I'm excited to be here. Are you? All right. I got a few people that are excited to be in church on a cold Sunday morning. Um, uh, I'll just address my ankle for those of you that uh, have been asking. Um, Yes, the Alaskan slipped on ice and uh, pretty amazing. I I was was starting my car in the morning and I, I turned and thought maybe I should scrape the ice off my neighbor's car and I thought, no, I shouldn't. I should just go inside. And immediately the Lord punished me. I just fell, <laughs> fell flat on my face and the Lord didn't punish me. Um, I slipped. And um, yeah, so yeah, so a lot of fun um, being, in, uh, being in an ankle brace. Uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. The older you get, uh, the less invincible you are, right? <clears throat> uh, you, uh, you, you grow up thinking you never get hurt. And then you get older and you get hurt all the time. Uh, and it just takes forever to heal. <clears throat> we're in the middle of the series that we're calling uh, Hallways, and I'm actually really excited about this series. This is a first for me. Uh, this whole series is a first. I've never done this before. Uh, this entire series I've been working on since about November uh, with two other pastors, and so they're preaching through the same uh, sermons that, that I'm preaching. We've all been working on it together. Uh, obviously, different uh, different ways that we communicate, uh, but it's it's been a lot of fun for me just knowing uh, that um, that this same message is being preached in Montana right now, and it's going to be preached in Washington right now, and right here in Idaho, and uh, and that's just a lot of fun. Uh, I, I've never never done the uh, the collaboration thing uh, to this level as a pastor, and it's hard. It's you would think it would be easy. It's not. Um, preparing sermons is very personal, and so uh, being able to bring other people in on collaboration is much harder than I thought. Uh, but it's it's fun, and so this idea of hallways is, is really simple. It's this, that we all experience transitions in our life all the time. Uh, when you were a baby, you, you transitioned out of a womb. And then when you were little, you transitioned uh, into diapers, and then you transitioned uh, into maybe pull-ups uh, if your parents uh, were doing that. My parents never did that. They just did the spank if you, if you messed up, right? Uh, that's what we got. We transitioned into spanks. Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, so you transition through life. So as a little kid, you transition into elementary school, then, then junior high. And it, it, there's these transitions. You transition into a career. Uh, you transition out of a career at some point in your life. And, and each of these transitions are difficult for this one reason. It's that we understand the concept of, of seasons well. We get seasons. Uh, we understand that there are some seasons that are lean and some seasons that are plentiful. We understand winter, summer, fall, and spring. We get that. The problem with transitions is transitions are between seasons. So we can become uh, comfortable and we can learn how to live 
in seasons. The more winters you experience, the more you know to wear a parka or the more you know to watch out for the ice. But transitions are never the same. So you can't prepare for a transition in the same way that you can prepare for a difficult season. Transitions are, are not the, something that somebody can guide you through in the same way they can guide you through a, a lean time. Transitions are difficult always. And so uh, here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Everybody say, I'm being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So your entire life is degrees or increments of transition into the glory of God. That's God's goal for your life, to leverage every moment, to leverage every season, to leverage every opportunity, to transition you, to change you into his glory one moment at a time. And it's this idea of a hallway that resonates with me when I'm talking about transitions. Because a hallway is really, it's not a room in and of itself, as much as we decorate them, as much as we make them pretty. The purpose of a hallway is not for you to linger. That's called loitering. The purpose of a hallway is to give you the ability to go from one room to another. And in our lives, we go from one space to another, and we find ourselves in, in hallways. And, and the children of Israel, they're, they're probably the greatest example of a hallway or a transition or a moment of change. It's, it's in the Exodus story. When they leave Egypt, they've been slaves in Egypt for 430 years for 17 generations, they've been slaves to Egypt, building some of the great wonders of the world with their hands, but not of the, out of their own decision. And these people are given an opportunity by God to stop being slaves, and it is this, this moment of transitioning from slavery to freedom that is so amazing to me. Because out of all the millions of people that were able to transition away from Egypt, only two lived. I've seen more people lose out on their walk with God in a transition than I've seen lose out on their walk with God in the harshest of winters. Here's what it says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the, the people of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us out here to die in the wilderness? <laughs> or is it because in, in Egypt they use sarcophaguses and so now you just brought us out here so we could die in the desert? He says this, what have you done to us in bringing us to Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. How many of us have done that to the Lord? 
as the Lord was bringing us through seasons of life, we've just said, just leave me where I'm at. I've, I've learned to deal with what I have. Just, I've learned to thrive in my dysfunction. Just leave me alone. I don't want to go through a hallway. He says, uh, have you brought us out here to die in the wilderness? Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord and I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. This is the moment that God brings them out of Egypt. <clears throat> and today what I want to talk about is this idea that in transition moments, there is healing in the hallway. Last week I spoke on this idea that there's hope in hallways. And today I want to talk about healing in hallways. Because when you enter a hallway or you enter a moment of change in your life, everything resurfaces and it's an opportunity for true healing. There's healing available in the hallway. God was able to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt in just a few short days. And in just over a couple weeks, he managed to get them from complete slavery to out of Egypt. But it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of them. We can be delivered from situations, but still be bound by the mindsets that those situations place on us. Have you ever done that? Have you ever brought the, the garbage of the past into the future? It just follows you. <clears throat> For me, I'm, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm one of these guys that is not a fan of these things right here. <laughs> I'm just going to say some of my worst memories involve these things right here. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're, you're out at an event or somewhere, or maybe working on a roof somewhere, and, and somebody else has been in, in, involved in this thing right here. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no, like, look, I'm going to just demonstrate in case you've never had the privilege. Like, these things, fully functional if anybody needs it today. You, you don't have to go down the hallway this Sunday. <clears throat> we will cheer you on. But this thing's amazing. It's, it's a... It's, it's, it smells fresh, like it, it's fresh air in there. It's even got a, a bungee cord and some, some toilet paper, a little shelf in case you want to store things. The one thing these things, like, like I liked the kind that used to have, like, you know the kind that sometimes you go, they have like a sink, it's filled with those gel beads that you're supposed to clean your hands with? I'm kidding, you're not supposed to clean your hands. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Someone's like, I, we're supposed to do that. <clears throat> the worst part about an outhouse is, is when you go to an outhouse and it's dirty and the, like, you're, you're in there at an event, like you go down to the balloon thing downtown Boise, you know what I'm saying? And there's a line that's half an hour long, this thing's being used every minute straight, all evening long, and then you go in there and you're, you're like standing like all weird or you're sitting like trying not to actually touch anything because it's so nasty in there. 
I'm the guy that when I use one of these, I, I feel, um, <clears throat> I, I, I load up my hands with the hand sanitizer, like load it up. <laughs> and still feel dirty. Like, I feel dirty just like holding the doorknob right just now. I feel, like I'm, I'm the guy when we're on a road trip, I, I, like if I need a restroom, there's only one place that I will stop at for a restroom in the entire planet. My wife knows this about me. There's only one place I stop because they have clean restrooms. It's called Starbucks. You get that thing to yourself and it is clean. Thank the Lord for Howard Schultz. I wouldn't have anywhere to go the entire way to Seattle. <clears throat> But what's crazy is you can go into an outhouse. You can, you can go in there with the funk and the filth, the things that uh, don't belong as part of your life, but they are necessary events in your life. But when you leave the outhouse, there's this possibility that you can leave stained by what went on in the outhouse. <clears throat> you can leave with the residue of smell still in your nose for hours. Memories that just haunt you as you walk around looking at hot air balloons. And the crazy thing is that what happens in an outhouse is supposed to stay in an outhouse, but we all know that what happens in an outhouse goes with everyone who touches that door. And we can walk through life with the residue of what once happened and it's, it taints or it, it stains every relationship or every experience we have even though those experiences have nothing to do with the outhouse. Like outhouses don't even belong in hallways. And yet we take the experiences from another room into the hallway with us. I would say there are some things that just need to be flushed out of our lives. You, you can have the residue of an outhouse follow you around. Maybe the residue of a toxic relationship. Maybe the smell of, of bitterness towards someone else uh, ha has invaded your world. And now every relationship you view as a toxic relationship. Or maybe for you, you went to a church that was harsh and demanding, and it doesn't matter how generous and loving and graceful the people are, you always view church people as harsh and demanding. Or maybe for you, you were hurt by people that were very close to you, people that you loved, and because of that, you have trouble trusting anyone else around you, and you're carrying the residue from another room into your transition, into your seasons of life, and it won't work. It won't work. When you come out of that stinky situation in your past, the goal is to move beyond it and not bring the outhouse with you everywhere you go.
I came here to tell somebody that you can have hope again, that you can have love again, that you can live again, that you can prosper again, that you can relate to other people again, that you can actually be happy again. I came to tell somebody that you can be whole again, that you can be complete again, and that you can be at peace again. But it's going to happen when you leave the outhouse in the room it belongs in, not where you are right now. Not where you are right now. You can live the life you were designed by God to live. If you can learn to go through transition well. The key to a successful life is successful transition. So how do, how do I know if I have residue on me from, from an old experience? It still taints my decisions and my choices and my interpretation of things now. How do I know if, if that is still on me? Well, <clears throat> I would say the first way to know if you have, uh, if you're walking around with an outhouse as your backpack, the, the answer would be this is, do you have puny expectations for life? So my, my youngest son, the other day, uh, one of the neighborhood kids uh, blessed my youngest son with a new scooter, brand new scooter. Um, he found it somewhere. Um, <laughs> it's been spray painted blue. And uh, that's really cool and all, except where I grew up, when you spray paint a bicycle, it's because you don't want the owner to know that that was their bicycle. Like, that's how we grew up. So I tell my little six-year-old, I said, hey, uh, <clears throat> back in the trailer park, we used to make sure, like, not to be driving that, like that. So I said, hey, buddy, like, we're not going to be riding that scooter because that scooter is probably not your buddy's scooter to give. <clears throat> he got super upset. Dad, but this is an amazing scooter. So I can jump off curbs with it. <laughs> I said, I, I can see that. It looks like somebody's been jumping off a lot of curbs with it. Like, it, it's beat up. Like, but you don't need the scooter. What, what you need to do is go bring it back to the ditch where your buddy found it. Like, go, go place it somewhere else and don't be the kid riding on the scooter because I don't need a six-year-old getting punched in the face for riding someone else's scooter. Dad, but you, he says, this, he says, you just don't want me to have any fun. I was like, dude, you don't even understand. Like, you think this is a brand new scooter? Like, I had this car, I'm having, like, you ever have a conversation with your kids that, like, that's way over their head? Like, you, you don't even understand. You think this is, like, an amazing scooter. Like, your dad is, mom, your dad and mom are planning on buying you a brand new scooter for your birthday in two months. Like, we're going to get you a really good scooter with flashy lights and a nice handlebar. Like, it, it'll be cool. But, but I'm not saying I don't want you to have the scooter because I don't, I don't love you. I don't care about you. It's because I want to bless you more than you can even perceive. And so many of us, what we do is we get puny expectations in life because we had an outhouse experience. So then we think that all that God wants to do is the bare minimum in our life. Here, here's what the children, it says this uh, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. It says, they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is it not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. You see, their reality is exactly what they imagined. They imagined that they would die in the wilderness. And hence they die in the wilderness. 
They thought they would have been better off being slaves in Egypt than a corpse in the desert, and so they became corpses in the desert because their expectations of God, their faith and trust in God was so minimal. It's, it's like this. Jesus says this to the man at the, not the well, at the pool. He says this. He said, will you be made whole? He says, will you be made whole? Because if your expectation is not that you will be made whole, then even God is not going to make you whole. There's a, there's a level of desire, a, a level of willing that says, God, I, I do want you to complete me. I do want to get rid of the outhouse that I've been dragging through relationship after relationship. I, I do want to be healed in my hallway. We carry unnecessary hurt through life because we figure there, that this is just our lot in life, that we are just the person who carries an outhouse around with us and, and people that, that give up. Son, I need you to sit on the front row or you're grounded. We talked about this before. Church, come on, buddy. <clears throat> All right. When you're the preacher, you get a little extra leverage on the kids. <clears throat> When, when people give up, often it's, it, it's because there's an area in their life that smells. Or, or, or maybe people experience self-destructive behavior. You ever see somebody just self-destructing things in their life? It's because there's a smell, there's a residue from something previous that's still going on in their life. <clears throat> maybe you were bound by pornography since you were a young person and you just figure that's always going to be your story, that you will never get free of this. And I'm telling you that God says there's healing in hallways. There's moments of healing that he wants to bring to your mind and to your view of sexuality, like, like God wants to deliver you. Maybe you were crippled by a past pain and God says, I want to mend your wounds. The Lord says this. He says, a bruised reed and a smoking flax I will not quench. God says, I won't break the little flax, the little, the little wick on the end of a candle. It, it, it's very weak. It's frail. I'm not going to hurt it. Instead, I want to provide healing and a hope in the middle of transitional moments in life. <clears throat> See, I always say before uh, Sunday, I'm not going to preach, but I always do. I was at my son, my, my nephew's, um, we do coming of age things in my family. And so my, my nephew uh, became, uh, he was 13. So it happened then, but the, all the men in his life couldn't get together until he was 14. So it happened during Christmas and we got together. And, and during that, we were talking about one of the stories of, from my nephew's grandfather. And, and his advice to him is this. He says, he says uh, Gus, I, I just want you to know that, that no matter what happens in life, no matter what goes on in your world, that every single morning the sun rises. 
And what he was saying was he was a businessman who, had, who had, had fought the hard fight of running a business his whole life. And he had, 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 had led his family his whole life. And, and he had been the guy that would wake up early every single morning just to go get a cup of coffee and have his Bible in his lap so that he could watch the sunrise rise every single morning. Because it didn't matter what the clients yelled at him about yesterday. It didn't matter what went on between him and his wife yesterday. It didn't matter what happened in his world yesterday. The sun rises every single morning. The Bible says it like this. It says, the mercies of God are new. They're fresh every single morning. And so what I'm telling somebody today is lift your head up high. Stop having puny expectations for God because the mercies of God are new every single morning. That sunrise comes up, it comes up, and it comes up. And what happened yesterday can stay yesterday. We can experience the blessing of God today. Isaiah chapter 43 says this, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing, and now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is saying, I will make a way in the middle of all your stuff. So stop having bad, minimal expectations for God. Stop carrying this thing around with you. Let's believe God for greatness. Let's believe God for more. Let's believe God for healing in our homes and our families. Let's believe God for faithfulness in our hearts. Let's, let's believe God when he says that he has finished it, that he has finished it. <clears throat> The next way to tell if we still have residue that is with us, that's staying with us, is this. It's in Exodus 14.10. It says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Why were they crying out to the Lord? They were crying out to the Lord because they believed that when God delivered them from Egypt, everything was going to be perfect. They thought the moment they were delivered that it was smooth sailing. But the truth is that even when God delivers us, we still may face the haunts of our past. It was this idea that you can tell if, if you have residue still on you from past pain, if you have a picture-perfect expectation when God doesn't do things the way we want him to do them, we often get stuck in hallways. I thought I'd be married by now, or I thought my marriage would be better by now, or I thought I would be having kids, or that that would fix it by now, and then I discovered that having kids would make it even worse by now. And <clears throat> I love my kids, but kids won't fix your marriage. I thought I would own a business by now. I thought my business would be doing better by now. Or I thought my business wouldn't have folded by now. Like, like all the ideas of these picture-perfect expectations, let me, let me say, it's not going to be smooth sailing. Living for God is not perfect. Life is still difficult. But when we believe that God has to do something in this sort of, this perfect paradigm of peace in our mind, then what happens is we set ourselves up for disappointment. 
Be careful because picture perfect expectations lead to unmet expectations every time. Which leads to being upset with others and with God every time. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 says it like this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When we have it in our mind how things should be and it doesn't work out that way, that it makes us sick. We live in a world that sets us up for this. We, we live in a world that, 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 that places us in this view that we should have picture-perfect expectations for life. Like, you, you know what it's like when you're in kindergarten, they're like, hey, you can, do, you can do anything you want in life. They bring in some person from NASA, and they're like, hey, you could be a spaceman. <laughs> they don't know my IQ. <laughs> if they knew that, they would have been like, hey, you're going to be working on a roof. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Because here's the, here's the deal, like, like the, the, we, we, we want to encourage our kids, we want to give them good hope, and so we set this, this thing up in their minds that says, if you believe it, you can achieve it. <laughs> and any of us have been around life long enough know what they really should have told the kids was, hey, just uh, like 95% of you, by the time you're 30, you're going to be broken in debt, just get ready. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just get ready for life, just learn to work hard, and it's going to work out. <clears throat> what I'm saying is like, <clears throat> let me put it another way. Like, you, you, you ever see American Idol? Yes. Yeah. These people get on American Idol and they're like, yeah. Like, you know, you know the, uh, the, they qualify for the show. They go in an audition for the show. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And the judges are just staring at them like, are you kidding right now? And then Simon Cowell tells the truth that we're all thinking, or whoever the judge is says what we're all thinking. We're like, that guy's so mean, but so true. <laughs> My question is, how in the world, like there are, there are hours of audition videos of people that cannot sing, that auditioned for a TV show about singing. Where were the people in their lives that should have told them a long time ago, you cannot sing. <laughs> no, I just love them. I just want them to do, you can do it. Just set your heart to it. You can do it. No, if you love them, you will tell them to try dancing or something or try puppeteering. Like, like <clears throat> sometimes love looks like honesty. And what I'm saying is when we have this super high picture perfect expectation, what we need to do is understand that, that God wants to work in our lives and life is not picture perfect. Or you'll be carrying this thing around with you all day. <clears throat> you can have big audacious goals. It's good. I, I think in, in the leadership book you read, it's called Big Audacious Hairy Goals. Somebody's read the book. It's good. You need that. But let me tell you what. <clears throat> Don't set your goals without understanding God's goal for your life. This is why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. A lot of these things are resolved when we simply push ourselves away from the world and draw ourselves to the Lord. 
Like, like this is important. And, like, and I, I, I'm actually, I, I share, like the Bible says that if you share on three things, it says if uh, for, this, this goes for um, praying, this goes for giving, and this goes for fasting. The Bible says this for all three, that if you tell other people about it, if you brag about it, then that is your reward on those things. So if you give money to someone and you go tell people about it, like that's the reward you get is you're good in the thoughts of other people. As a pastor, like uh, I think a big part of my role is to, to lead you. And so for me, like I'm willing to share things because I, I think it's important that, that I lead you and uh, hopefully you, you, you'll respond. I, I, I always engage in prayer and fasting. Like I've done it for years before it became cool. <clears throat> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I, I really like personally, I enjoy like a, a no food fast. That's what I love. This year on the first day of the fast, I busted my leg, messed up my leg. <clears throat> and I just got through telling all of you, like, don't go do a food fast if your doctor says don't do it. And my doctor didn't say anything about fasting, but my doctor did tell me, hey, you need to be taking ibuprofen every single, like, six hours or whatever it was. So for me, I thought, I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to do that and fast. And so I had to change the way I fast. It's not that I'm going to give up on fasting, but, but I'm saying, you know, I'm going to change the way I do it so I can do what the doctor says so my ankle will get better and doesn't take two years this time. But I'm still going to have areas of, of my life. And so right now, just so you know, like what I'm doing is I'm doing like a Muslim fast for all of you. Like what? Yeah, from sunrise to sundown, I'm not eating. That way I can take ibuprofen in the morning and in the evening. Okay, so, so the, the point is this, is find something in your life that you can push away. For some of you, it is all food. I know there's people in this room that are, that are fasting food and you've been doing it all week. I know other people that have been fasting food, maybe one or two meals. I know other people that are fasting caffeine or cigarettes or whatever it might be. But what I'm saying is like, you got to find something in your life to push away. That's what we're doing in this season. <clears throat> you need healing from your past. That's, that's what happens in transitions. It's these moments when you can really identify that God is working. We, when we were developing the sermon, we were sitting in a room full of creative guys and, and they were talking about transitions and one of the guys just broke down crying and he said, for me, transition is all about healing. He said, I remember when I got married and I went on my honeymoon. <clears throat> he said, and it was in that moment that everything from my past came forward and, and I had this healing moment. He said it was, it was drastic, but it was this moment of healing and it was through transition that God delivered me. So let's move on. Let's move on. So what does that look like for us to move on? I think the first thing it looks like is this. It's time to get close to God. Like you cannot delegate a walk with God. It's time to get close to God. If you want healing from the outhouse that follows you around your life, Get close to the Lord. The Bible says this, there is, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. And all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you want to go into the next chapter of your life, you've got to stop reliving the last chapter of your life. It happens when we draw close to the Lord. We've got to draw close 
to the Lord. There's some things that we have to, to flush out of our lives, some things that need to go and stay in the outhouse outside. James 4 says this, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What, I, what I'm saying is like, <clears throat> come close to God, and he will bring healing to your soul. If you lean into him, he'll lean into you. And don't just do it in your mind, but truly draw close to God. I think the next thing, if we want healing in a hallway, it's this. It's time to be honest with a friend. The Bible says if we, we like to quote the scripture in James chapter 5 where it says the effective, uh, the, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man is effective. <clears throat> it availeth much, the King James says. So we like to be fervent in prayer and righteous. But what we forget is the first half of that verse says, confess your faults one to another. What I'm saying is there is healing when you just get honest with a friend and they can begin praying with you. There is healing and deliverance when you begin to share with somebody, hey, I, I'm still struggling with this. I thought I was over it 10 years ago and I'm still struggling with it. I thought I was over him like, like last year, and, but I'm still struggling with it. I'm still struggling with the disappointment because they hired somebody else. You need someone in your life that you can confess some things to and they can pray with you. This is why we do groups. This is, this is it. This is why we do groups. Because you've got to have people in your life that know the areas that you need fervent prayer. Fervent prayer. <clears throat> That's what accountability actually looks like. <clears throat> the next thing I would say is this. <clears throat> you, you've got to find a passion that's bigger than you. Like your employment is what you do to survive. But it's not who you are. You were called by God to bless all nations of the world. That's why he blesses you, so you can bless other people. You aren't blessed so that you can have nicer things. You're blessed so you can be a blessing. That's biblical. This is one of those things where people think, oh, that's cute. The preacher actually thinks that. I do think that. And through this, through prayer, through becoming honest with other people, and through saying, you know what, I've got to find a purpose bigger than myself. You're going to find that the outhouse that's been following you around will leave. There's this story, <clears throat> as the band would come, there's a story that I read. The end of last year, and it's still being updated now. About a, a man named Colin Goddard. Colin Goddard was in French class at Virginia Tech on April 16th, 2007, when a gunman came into his class and started shooting. Colin Goddard says that it was the most terrifying moment of his life. All he could hear was guns going off and people screaming. In the Virginia Tech shooting, there were 30, I believe 32 people were murdered. Colin Goddard was one of the fortunate to have survived. 
a bullet went through and through his shoulder and three more went into his body and split into fragments. What's interesting about the story is that Colin is, is now sounding the alarm. This is terrible that this is even in part of our country's culture. But he's sounding the alarm to the victims of shooting violence across the nation. Because that's a growing segment of people in our world. And the alarm he is sounding is this. Although he survived the shooting 12 years ago, He's dying from lead poisoning today. Saying you can survive some things. You can even live normally after some things. But if you don't take the time to get those things out of your life, they will slowly affect your world. I don't say this in any way to, to speak negative of him because I, honestly my heart goes out to him. I can't imagine how devastating that is. But I can imagine in my mind somebody having experience, knowing myself if I had been that man. I would have been the guy to show you my scars. I would have been the guy to say right here, where it happened this is it this is my badge of honor right here I survived and yet the very thing that is a badge of honor the very thing that he's been walking around with is the very thing that is an outhouse it's hurting him so I know in this room we've all got baggage but I wonder if there are some people that are ready to have healing in a hallway, to be delivered of some things in a hallway. Because Jesus is here, and he's a deliverer, and he's a healer, and he's a redeemer. Would you stand with me all across the room? Father, Lord Jesus, right now, I ask that your spirit would rush into our hearts. Lord, that you would search us, that you would know us, that you would work within us. God, that you'd take away the residue and the pain and, and the struggle from the past. That you would know us and that we would turn to you not with puny expectations and not with some sort of picture-perfect paradigm, but, God, that we would turn to you in our moments of pain, in our moments of transition, and that you would deliver somebody today, that you'd heal in this moment right now, that you'd deliver us from the Egypt that you delivered us from. You removed us from the situation, but the situation still wanders our minds. So right now, I'm asking you, God, for deliverance for somebody, for healing right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Because you are the only one that is true, that is good, that is perfect. You alone can settle the score. So right now, Jesus, heal 
strengthen, deliver. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed. I wonder if there's somebody in the room today for you, like the healing that I need in this hallway right now is I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I need him to be my God. And if that's you, if you're ready to turn to Jesus, I just want you to put your hand up so I can see it. No one else can see it. I see that. All right. Very good. All right. We're going to pray for the six of you right now. Here we go. I'm going to pray, and I want you to just kind of follow what I, what I say. Make it your own. Jesus, Lord, I, I'm turning away from my past. I'm turning away from doing things on my own. God, I'm asking you to truly be the Lord of my life. I'm asking you to be my God. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay for every sin that I've ever done. So right now I place all my faith in Jesus and all my hope in him. Be my Lord. Be my God. I want you to know this. Listen up, listen up right now. Listen up, you just made the most important decision of your entire life. Like it does not get bigger than what you just did. And like, honestly, for me, I am so proud of you. Like, like you are why I came here today. So good job. Good job. Thanks again for listening to the message today. I know God has been speaking to some of you working in your life, and I want to encourage you to take the next step. Respond to what God is doing, and if you're not sure what that is, bring someone into the conversation. We would love to help you with your next steps. You can email us, reach out to us on social media, or better yet, just come meet us on a Sunday morning. If you want to find out more, go to our website, thecelebration.church. On that note, let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.